Jesus wants to take you on a journey of increasing faith. He transforms us from one degree of glory to another. And that, that's, that's the point. So, so becoming a Christian is not a static situation just waiting for heaven. It's actually an ongoing development of faith and, and, and understanding and adventure. Um, and so you will face this as a Christian. It's, just part, it's a normal part of Christian life. Um, so we're going to dip into the story and then we'll, we'll go from there. I've got some other stuff to, to share around that. So, um, can we bring up, it's uh, John 11, diving at verse 17. There we go, yep. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews who had come, had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I want, I want to suggest to you that that is a story of great faith, not a story of accusation, um, as I think will become clearer. Because there are ways you could say that. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. <laughs> or, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. I don't think she's trying to judge or condemn Jesus. She's just actually, this is a statement of, I still believe in you. I don't understand why he didn't come. And if you had been here, I know it wouldn't have happened. Does that make sense? There's a sense of, I think that's how I interpret this, and I think that's, that's carried out by the rest of the passage. So if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Is that, that's good faith, is it not? But I know, look at this, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. That is faith. Wow. This is, this is somebody who is in a moment of great distress, bereavement, says, I don't understand. I know if you've been here, it wouldn't happen, but even now I, I trust you. And I, I, I know... God will still do whatever you ask. It's just a pity you weren't here, but I believe you're still the same Jesus. That's a massive, is that not a massive statement of faith? I think that's extraordinary faith. Now, I would suggest to you that is a good way, that's a good example to follow. If you're ever offended by the fact that God hasn't quite turned up to do what you want when you want it, then this is a good answer. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, Jesus is actually selling something. And she knows it's true. She goes on, yes. She says, yes, yes, Martha. Yes, I know. I know he's going to rise again. In the resurrection at the last day. Now, is that also true? Yeah, because he is going to do that. So, so it's, you know, that's ultimately what we all want. Um, you know, I don't want to be resurrected from the dead time and time again. <laughs> I might, maybe, maybe if I go a little bit prematurely, but I, you know, at one stage I fancy going and going, you know, and not coming back. <laughs> That's the point of this life. It's actually for that life. This, this life is, 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 is in a tent that will get more and more holes in it. And then ultimately you get a, a glorious new body that will never fade and never perish. And that, that's where we're really aiming. So resurrection from the dead is, 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 is great. But you will have to die again. It's not an ultimate. It's just, yeah, it's just, so, so, so what she's saying here is true. Now, this is, this is a really important, I, I mentioned it a little bit last week. This is an important theological construct that goes on here because what, what people can have, they can have concepts. Yes, I know it could happen, it will happen, and sometime in the future it will. I know that's true, but then Jesus says, no, you don't really quite understand the fullness of what I'm saying to you. 
He's, he's now taking her great faith and saying, I want to elevate you to a whole other level of understanding. I believe that's what 2020 and, and going in the next few years is for us. It's an elevation from where we are of expectation of faith that already exists, I would suggest, in a great measure, to a whole other level. But in order to get there, you're going to have to follow Jesus. And there, is, there, there's simp- there simply is no other way. And it doesn't matter what plan we come up with uh, uh, and schemes. And unless he's walking in them, then they're not a good idea. So he, he's about to take... So he says, actually, um, actually, I'm the resurrection and the life. Now, that is a strange statement, isn't it? We, we get used to the statements of Jesus. So he says, I am the truth. That's a big statement. I am the, the <laughs> that is a pretty, I am the life. See, we're used to these in our Christian sort of understanding. We, oh, yeah, 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 I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Those are massive statements. Here he says, I'm the resurrection. Don't look to the future. I'm standing here right in front of you. I, actually, that resurrection is not going to happen without me. It's not an event. It's all based about me. And your resurrection is going to happen because I'll be raised from the dead. They didn't know that yet, but that's what it was. Without his resurrection, there would be no res- resurrection. This all, so he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing me in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. You see, this, you see how, how great her faith is? I love this lady. I think she's fantastic. <clears throat> yes, I do. I believe. Now, I still don't think she believes what he's trying to get at. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, yeah, I do believe. And Jesus loves your belief, is what I want to tell you. He, he loves your belief, but he wants to elevate it to a whole another level of belief. And, and so he'll, t- he'll take you there and say, okay, yeah, you do believe, but just watch this, because you think you believe at the moment. And you do, but you just, you just wait. You just wait, because I've got something lined up for you, and the whole point of why I waited for him to die is just about to be revealed. To all those adverse circumstances, there's a, there's, there is a, there's a reason. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. Called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same, same faith. These, these, are, these are ladies with great faith. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. God's emotional. God is an emotional being. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied, and Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, hmm, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? So there, there's the question. Come on. Where were you? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. She's always practical, this lady. 
By this time, there is a bad odour. Well, it's going to stink, basically. By this time, it's going to stink in there, for he's been there four days. Now, listen to this. Did, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So, <laughs> so what's the consequence of your believing? You're going to see the glory of God. You're not just going to sing about it. The glory of God is not just a concept we sing about. It's a reality that is being revealed on planet Earth. And it actually, I've not got time to go into it in John 17, all about glory. Actually, Jesus says that he gets glory by what we do. So when you look at each other, you should see the glory of God being manifest on planet Earth. It's one of the beautiful things about church. So I shouldn't do Christianity on your own. You miss the glory. Because all you see is yourself. Individual Christianity is a pretty miserable existence because you miss, you miss out on so much. Church is a glory fest. Come along every week and see your glory. That's, it's, just look around and say, wow, wow. You should have seen, what, what has God done this week? Wow. Whew. So they took away the stone. I like, I, I, this, this bit amuses me. I, I, this, then Jesus looked up and said, so Jesus looking up and he's praying, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just having to elevate them a bit further. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. I love that. It's the dead man. He's forever more known as the dead man. Lazarus is a name that is in, 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 in colloquial language around the globe for something coming back from hopelessness. It, it, you know, it's a Lazarus moment. You hear that? It's not just, it's not just Christian language. It's, it's world language. It's a Lazarus moment. Somehow, somehow, this has come back from hopelessness. This has come out. It's like you know, Phoenix rising from the ashes. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Woo! Like I said, if you were one of the 12 disciples, you were glad you followed at this moment. Because you've just seen something that takes you to a whole other level. And for me, that's, that's the tragedy of, of Christians who stop following, is that they, they, they ceased to take hold of the opportunity of seeing the glory of God revealed in greater measure. And I want to tell you this, it's a mistake, always a mistake, to stop halfway through the story. And the thing is, that you might think it's the end, Jesus knows when it's really the end. I think when they were back there, and he said to his disciples, Lazarus is dead, some of them would have thought that's the end of that story. Don't turn Oh, goodness, that's the end of that. Whoops. That's not the end of the story. I suggest you let Jesus say when it's the end of the story. In your circumstances. Let, let him have the last word, will you? In your circumstances. And ultimately, no matter what, if you've been born again, you will go to be with him forevermore. Woo! What about his sisters? What do you think of the sisters at this moment in time? You think they're happy? I think this is a very happy moment. Now do you think they understand 
oh, goodness, he really is the resurrection. This suddenly opens up an understanding of who God is at a completely different level. And I believe that is what is ahead of us, corporately as a church, not just individuals, but God wants to open up realms of revelation and understanding for us to enter into. And I'm just going to keep going back. You won't see it unless you keep following. That's what Christianity just is that. And it says, keep in step with the Spirit. That's the biblical imperative. Having been born by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. That is not, that is not a military order. Keep in step. It's not a marching order. It's an invitation to walk with him. And then, when he's raised from the dead, actually, and this is say, it's the basis of, of the book, book I wrote. Um, some people get confused. They think my book's called Raising Lazarus. It isn't. It's called Unwrapping Lazarus. And the point is actually when Lazarus was raised from the dead, although he was alive, he wasn't free. And Christianity is, is a journey, I believe, in ever increasing degrees of freedom. Not just free from stuff, but freedom to be the stuff that you're meant to be. So, so <clears throat> Christianity is, is, is an experience of ever increasing degrees of freedom. Now, what happens if we don't get freedom right, which is what we went through the whole book of Galatians last, last term. It's all about freedom. If we don't get that, if we lock ourselves into it, and if you think that, that, that the greatest freedom you get is being free from something, then you will miss the point of being free to be something. So if you don't, haven't got the fact that Jesus has set you free from all your sin, and you keep circling around that, then you're going to miss the journey. Then you're going to keep circling around on something and that's a religious lie that keeps you circling around that. How much of your sin is gone? All of it. What expectation do you attach to that? You're not a sinner. And sin is not inevitable. Sin is a choice. Because you still have free choice. And you can make that choice. It's stupid. And you, you, will, you will reap the consequences of that choice but it's not what you're born again to be you're, you're raised to be a glorious son or daughter of the living God doing the works of Jesus and even greater works so Christianity is not a sin avoidance program it's a temptation dealing with program because I, I wish I was immune to temptation but I'm not make life easier but actually what the Bible says with every temptation there's a way out it's not an inevitability so, so, so Christianity is this fun and then Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So who got to take off the grave clothes? Well, did, Jesus didn't do it. Everyone, who do you think were first in there? I think it would have been Martha and Mary. Got to be the, they've got to be the first in. Do you think the disciples were scrambling for a piece of that action as well? I think, yeah, let me in now. <laughs> I want to tell you that's a picture for me of discipleship. Helping people get unwrapped on all that stuff. Why? So that Etsy is free to walk rather than be hobbled. Yeah, that's how we help one another. We help one another. That's discipleship is helping one another to be free, to do all that God's called to do, to live the life not bound up. And Jesus told us to go and make disciples. The whole point of making disciples is to help people live in the freedom that God has got for them. It's not to keep them in check. It's not to have a checklist of do's, don'ts, and this, that's, and the other. And have you sinned this week? Let me just check with you. Have you been, have you been, have you been kind to your wife? Now, all these are good things. 
<laughs> but discipleship is, is aimed to make people free, and I want to say this, equal, without hierarchy. Equality is, is different, is going to be a really important conference for us, because I think it's one of the keys that I see that is a really, really, really important part of Eastgate is our belief that everyone is equal here, but different. Nobody is superior in this place. We just have different gifts, some of which are more obvious than others. But if you're, if you're born again and you've got the Holy Spirit, you are gifted. Are you not? So I look at your gift and think, wow, there's glory over there. I want to benefit from that glory. And I know I stand up here, you know, and you might think, well, this guy's got a lot more glory to give. Well, I haven't. I've just got my glory to give to you, which comes from my gift. But you've got your, which is, if you don't play your part in the body, it doesn't happen. So there's no point in me trying to be you or you trying to be me, but actually just as us together is a, is a formidable combination. And um, if we can bring up Ephesians chapter 4. When Jesus ascended back to heaven, it says this. And it all, if the, whole, the whole thing of Ephesians chapter 4, the first, bit, first um, seven verses or so are all about unity. It talks about one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one, 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 one. It's, we're all one together. There's one Jesus, there's one Lord, there's one baptism. And it says, but different gifts. So Jesus has given gifts. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. That'd be cool. In the faith, not in projects. You don't find unity by joint projects, you find them by joint faith. Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is a beautiful picture right there. So Jesus, when he ascended on high, gave gifts. Now these are different to, to, to the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts, which are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But they are still gifts. They're not entitlements, they're not wages, they're not promotional ladder that you work your way up. They are gifts. I'm going to keep telling you, they are gifts. (laughs) If you've been given a gift, you haven't earned it, so don't flaunt it as if you suddenly did something special to get it. All these gifts exist together in an equal way in equal proportions to make sure that all of us get to unity and maturity that's the point now so one thing I can tell you we're doing this this year because this is for those of you who like the details <laughs> there are some plans okay it's not just <laughs> the plans are actually more how you do things rather than what you do do you know I want to tell you this God is far more interested in how you do things than what you do You want a verse, verse for that? So it says, okay. Um, I have a lot of people, not, not quite so much now, but in the past say, oh, I really like to know what God's will is for my life. And I said, well, what, what do you want to do? Said, well, I, know, I want to know what God wants me to do. I said, well, God, God doesn't operate like that. 
But it says, this is God's will for your life. Be joyful always, thankful in every circumstances, and pray continually. So, so God's interested in the, the manner of how you do your life more than the what you do with it. So he wants you to be joyful always. So if you're a miserable blighter, you've probably got it wrong. <laughs> he wants you to be thankful always. Every circumstance, you have no reason in whatever circumstance you find yourself to not be a thankful person. You might not be thankful for the circumstance. It's not saying that because some of the circumstances are, are not ones to be thankful for. But actually, if you lose your gratitude attitude, then you've already strayed away. So be joyful. So make the choice to rejoice, have the gratitude attitude, and then pray continually. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means actually be continually connected. And one of the things I want to talk to you about is actually um, in this list, apostles is, 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 is there. And apostles, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about first apostles. Now, it's really important to understand the first apostles doesn't mean more important. It means actually first in priority. There are priorities that you have to get in, in place. You know, um, usually if you're, if you're, I'll take Joe, Joe, Joe Bungio here. If you're making a cake, there's certain things you do before other things, don't if you say, oh, well, it doesn't, it, all, it doesn't matter. We just chuck it all in, mix it all together, and boom. It doesn't matter any order. I think it does, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Depends which cake you're making. But, yeah. Some you get away with it, but no, no, no. If you've been looking at that school being built over there, you thought, well, they haven't, they haven't built much yet. I've got some holes. They've built foundations. And in nine days' time the actual units of building are going to arrive and you, in two weeks' time you will see a massive change over there. Literally, you will, <coughs> with that school being built. But if you've not got the foundations in place, you will be concerned about it, would you not? That's a priority. And what I want to talk to you about is that the apostles, and I'm going to do a lot more on this this evening. Hey, who was here last Sunday evening? We had fun, eh? Woo. If you weren't here, get here because it was fun. And it's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the bit of the research and development department of Eastgate in the moment. I'm having fun playing with the apostles and the prophets and, the, and just the pastors and teachers in that environment. But it, it gives us an opportunity to play. But in Mark chapter 3, it's, it's about Jesus went up on a mountainside. Mark 3 verse 13. And, and called to them that, those he wanted. Now this was actually when he was designating the apostles. Um, and he appointed 12, and elsewhere it says he appointed them as apostles. And the first thing it says is he appointed the 12. What's the first thing that's there, that, that they might be with him? That is the first calling that apostle will keep on pulling you back to, which is what I'm, I'm doing right now, is if you're not connected to Jesus, it does not make sense. Every other gift has to flow from that connection to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The apostles, whenever they turned up somewhere in the New Testament, say, have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you, have, you, have you been back? Have you got it? Have you got him? Have you got him? Why? Because without him, you can do religion, but you can't do Christianity. You can try and do it in your own strength, in your own power, but it doesn't work. It works in a fashion. So the apostles will not let you off that one. Say, have you got the Holy Spirit? And then not only have you got him, are you still moving in him? You know, in, in, in Galatians 3, it said, you know, are you so foolish, having begun with the Spirit, you now 
trying to attain your goal by human effort. Once you've flipped away from intimate connection with him and his power, then we're immediately off track. So the first thing the apostles were called to be was to be with him. Connected to him. That is the number one thing. That's why it's a priority. Everything has to flow out of connection to God. And, then he, and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Elsewhere it gives you a longer list, and I haven't got time to go into that. But basically, the power of the Spirit in you, a God at work in you, gives you authority over all aspects of darkness. Driving out demons is not just personal you know, deliverance. It's actually, we can evict demons from our environment. Any environment we go into is that we, we can get rid of darkness because we are light. And we have authority to do that. Now, if you don't believe you've got authority to do that, you are being robbed of your authority. And who's the thief? That, why? He does not like this idea because he is going to lose. Now, what I want to tell you is that, and it's really important, there is a lot of nonsense out there about apostles that I believe is based in human wisdom rather than heaven's wisdom. Okay, and I'm just going to re- highlight this really quickly for you, and I'm going to take up this on a whole lot more this evening. Um, <clears throat> Because I'm just going to read out something to you that's from a a systematic theology, um, which is basically extremely good biblically in most places. But when it comes to this, it's dreadful. Okay, so this is in a a systematic theology. (coughs) It, It says this. It is noteworthy that no major leader in the history of the church, not Athanasius, Athanasius, or Augustine, not Luther or Calvin, not Wesley or Whitfield, has taken to himself the title of apostle, or let himself be called an apostle. If any in modern times want to take the title apostle to themselves, they immediately raise the suspicion that they may be motivated by inappropriate pride and desires for self-exaltation, along with excessive ambition and a desire for such much more authority in the church than any one person should rightfully have. Whoa, that is strong language, is it not? So anybody want to be an apostle now? (laughs) Well, no, because you know what? You're going to be judged as someone with pride, taking a title upon yourself, uh, desire for self-exhortation, excessive ambition, and much more authority than you can contain. That has informed Christianity. That is still informing Christianity massively at this moment in time. This is probably one of the, 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 probably the systematic theology book that is, that is most uh, referred to in Christianity at the moment. That's not a biblical explanation. That's a sociological fear. It says, whew, nobody could handle that title. Now, what did I tell you it isn't? It's not a title. It frames, it frames these gifts in a hierarchical, basically, hmm, claiming to be the Pope. Look at you. Who do you think you are? How dare you? Therefore, the church is being robbed of the gifts of apostles in their environment. This is why it's really difficult for apostles to be properly recognized and equipped and, equipped and, equipped and trained to release their gift on planet Earth. And that is one of the reasons I honestly believe that the church is less effective than it should be. Which is why equality is different is a fundamental building block for what we are doing. 
along with all the other five gifts. And if you, if you track the, the Eastgate map, some of you have seen it, which is actually what we're trying to do. It's a cultural reference, not a, not a, not a, a plan. It's not, a, it's not a plan to do. And we've got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And on every one of those five, we are actually creating hubs where they, they, there will be an emphasis on all of the five of those being uh, equipped, trained, elevated to, to a place, but none elevated above another, all working together in a beautiful unity to create a mature people in Christ. So if you want to know what we're doing this year, that's what we're doing. And it's going to be great. And one of the things I said we're doing with the evening meeting is actually particularly looking at that with a bit, bit more time and flexibility at it, which is why we want to use the evening meeting in that regard. And it's not one, about one gift, it's about all five gifts being manifest in that. But right now I'm putting a bit of apostolic energy into it to make sure we get that bit first, as the Bible tells us to do. So can you stand with me? Look at that, we've got about three minutes to pray. How about that? Um, I want you to receive fire right now. Rather than just think about it, listen to it. And I'd like you to lay hands on one another because you have fire. Apostles will produce apostolic people. Prophets produce prophetic people. Evangelists, evangelistic people. That's why we've got a whole troop of evangelists coming up. If you're instructed by apostles, you will become apostolic and then you will release the fire of heaven, which is what you're meant to do. And you will see miracles and you will see revelation. You will go to another level. And Father, I pray, we thank you that King Jesus, you have more for us to discover of who you are. That you want to take us on a journey. And I, for one, I choose to follow you, King Jesus, even when it doesn't make sense even when I don't understand, simply because I trust you and I understand that you know all things. And Jesus, you died that we might receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. And Father, I release the fire of heaven. And I want you to just release the fire of heaven on one another right now. Father, we choose to be an apostolic people. We choose to be a prophetic people. We choose to be an evangelistic people. We choose to be a well-taught, well-understood people. We choose to be good at one anothering each other. Right now we receive the fire, fire of heaven. If you're a visitor here and you're not quite sure, the, when we talk about God being powerful, he really is, and we expect him to do things. Wow! And Father, I release miracles in this place right now. I release healing, signs and wonders. Whoa! Father, we thank you that we are fire carriers. And we want to carry miracles out into the world around us. Father, we don't just want to be powerful in Christian meetings. We want to be powerful in life. We want to be carriers of your goodness, your fire, your power, your love and your glory wherever we tread.